It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Coming up, a preview of the Dairy Beef Open Day taking place in Cashel, the biggest farmer gathering since the emissions reduction target was published. Autumn grass build-up, some Chagas guidelines. Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmer Association National President, West Cork-based Mr Dermot Kelleher, wants recognition of the positive progress made already by Irish farmers in implementing environmentally friendly methods of farming. On 4th of August 2022, the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnell, TD, announced the opening of their second call for applications to the Brexit Adjustment Local Authority Marine Infrastructure Scheme 2022-2023. The scheme funds a publicly owned marine infrastructure and is being funded under the BAR, EU Brexit Adjustment Reserve. In April, under the first call of the scheme, Minister McConnell announced approval for 110 projects around the Irish coast. The scheme assists the development of the marine economy and coastal communities by aiming to give immediate construction stimulus to those coastal communities affected by the TCA Trade and Cooperation Agreement between the European Union and United Kingdom, TCA. It's targeted to attract such projects of up to €1 million Euro in the budget during 2022 and 2023. The scheme also offers the possibility of funding larger projects where there is particular exposure to Brexit due to proximity to UK waters and loss of fishing opportunities. The projects will be delivered by the local authority which owns and maintains the relevant marine infrastructure. IFA President Tim Cullen has strongly criticised factories for what he calls further unjustified cuts on lamb price. He said the level of price cuts is unsustainable and sheep farmers cannot be expected to absorb reductions on this scale in a year where production costs are predicted to increase by 30%. Factories, Mr Cullinan said, were offering deals of up to €6.70 a kg and deals to 22 kg to secure lambs. But he said they were meeting very strong resistance from farmers. The IFA leader said store lamb sales have started positive, but it's crucial factories would return a fair price to underpin this trade for the remainder of the year. Meanwhile, IFA Sheep National Chairman Mr Kevin Komsky said supplies of suitable finished lambs are very tight on the ground and there was no rationale for the cuts imposed by factories this week. 
Mr. Kobelski said there is no huge surge of lambs going through the system as total spring throughput to date is running 12% behind last year's levels. He said Board B predicts supplies of imported lamb into the European Union market would remain low for the remainder of the year, while EU lamb production is forecast to be back by 2%, creating favourable conditions for Irish lamb. Following a market update with Borbia, Mr Kevin Comsky stressed the importance of continued promotional activities of Irish lamb overseas in order to deliver new markets for Irish produce and to strengthen the value returned to Irish producers. Mr Comsky said sheep production is the most environmentally sustainable food production system in the country, but sheep farmers are not being paid for it by the market. Demand for sheep meat is strong in our key export markets and factories must ensure these positive market conditions are affected in prices paid to farmers. On 29th of July 2022, the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnellug, confirmed that Ireland's CAP strategic plan 2023-2027 to inclusive has been formally resubmitted by his department to the European Commission for approval. The Minister pointed out that the updated plan takes account of the observations received from the European Commission in March and it reflects the outcome of extensive discussions with the European Commission at official and ministerial level over the past three months. Minister McConnell said he was pleased to have reached preliminary agreement on a CAP strategic plan for the period 2023-2027 to inclusive. This, he said is another important milestone in the development of the plan, and a very important one too. The discussions, he said, had been held at every level to reach this agreement, including a recent meeting it had with Commissioner Wojciechowski to discuss some of the more challenging elements. The work will continue for the next few months with parallel processes of finalising the environmental assessments while the Commission completes their own internal reviews and legal processes. Minister McConnell said he was confident that we had presented a robust plan which aims to meet the twin objectives of ensuring the continued viability of family farms and maximising the environmental and social sustainability of the sector. The CAP strategic plan received initial feedback from the European Commission in the form of an observation letter in March of 2022. Since then, the department officials have met with stakeholders through the CAP Consultative Committee on three occasions. The Minister acknowledged the importance of the input and observations given by stakeholders in this period and indeed throughout the process. He also noted this collaboration would continue in coming months as the final legal and administrative processes took place. He noted his department is already working to inform farmers of the details of the scheme and making relevant preparations for the development of administrative and IT systems. Part of a statement there from the department regarding confirmation, the department had resubmitted Ireland's CAP strategic plan for the period 2023 to 2027 inclusive to the European Commission for final consideration. 
Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr. Padraig McCormack, Business and Technology Dairy Advisor, the Chagas Advisory Office, Moor Park near Formoy in County Cork. First of all, Padraig, welcome to the programme. Insofar as you can, can you project for our listeners what autumn grazing might be like and anything we can do or listeners can do to boost um, the supply? Yeah, thanks, John. So I suppose, look, it's kind of been a variable and challenging enough summer in terms of grass quality, really, and then also grass supply with, I suppose, over the last while with dry conditions affecting growth on many farms. Um, but really, we're, we're into the early days of August now, so our focus is changing mainly from our, our summer grazing targets to our autumn targets. So, like, really, for the month of August, <clears throat> many people see see um, the month of August as the start of the grazing year with the, the planning and building up of grass, while while growth rates are are still still quite good. Um, and I suppose, look, the plans put in place now will help impact on grass availability from. From now on, really, until the beginning of the second rotation next year. Um, so when it comes to autumn grazing, I suppose we look at it in, in two different phases. So for the first two months, the, the first phase in, in August and September is the, is the building phase, where we're, we're building grass now to, to increase the number of days at grass and, and to drive animal performance from grass. And then I suppose, look, then from that, we're looking at into the second phase, which is in the, the months of October and, and November. And uh, and this is the closing phase where, where the focus is, is mainly on extending grazing in the autumn and, and setting up the farm up in the final rotation to provide look, adequate enough grass when we're turning out next spring. Um, but look, I suppose at the moment... We are looking at building grass supply on our farms now since we're in the, in the month of August. Now, you're talking there about uh, building up grass um, in August. What would be the focus of the grazing season at the moment? Just to zoom in on that uh, question, what is the focus of the grazing season at the moment, early into August? Yeah, so early into, into August now, look, we're looking at trying to, trying to, trying to build the grass for the, for the autumn period ahead. We're looking at a, a few different things like... Why we're building in August, I suppose, why we're building grass in August to a, to a high in late September, early October, is to, is to help to extend um, the grazing season by, by helping to, which will help to achieve extra days in autumn, which will, will have a, a positive impact, I suppose, on, on farm profit. So, look, this, this positive impact on farm profit could be as a result of maybe reduced feed costs, um, reduced labour requirements, maybe less slurry to spread and, and cubicles clean. And as well as that, sure, you're improving animal performance and profitability, and 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 it's better for the environment with with, with reduction in greenhouse gas emissions and, and ammonia emissions as well. But I'd like to put a value on that. Why we're building now, like each extra day at grass for for a dairy cow is worth 180 per cow per day, and and, and across a hundred cow herd, that'd be 180 euro per per day. Um, but like for example, if we're if we're not putting the steps in place now. If we don't build our farm cover high enough when you come into October, when, when, when growth rates are starting to decline and the demand is still relatively high, you, you will see a drop off in your farm cover very quick and, and potentially you may drop it too low coming into the winter, which will mean ending up having to put in, in, in high levels of supplementation. 
Uh, can you add anything to those comments here regarding building grass? Why, just to reiterate, why do you build grass? It seems a pretty obvious question to have a good supply, but just again to enumerate and drive home to our listeners, why do you actually build grass? Just to, to list uh, the salient points there. Yeah, so look, I, I think why we build grass really is um, I know, look, we're looking to get a, a good grass supply on farms in terms of setting us up for, for the, the final rotation in the year and also for, I suppose, spring grazing as well. But um, look, by building grass, we're helping to achieve extra days in the autumn. Um, and as I said, it, look, extra day, grazing days in the autumn has, has numerous different advantages in, in terms of improving your animal performance and profitability. And, and also, look, like to reduce feed costs and re- reduce labour requirements as well. To enumerate what steps farmers can take to build this grass, which we're so enthusiastic about and which is so necessary. Yeah, exactly, John. So, yeah, so firstly, I suppose, look, every farm is different, really. So, so the level of grass to build will depend on a, on a few different factors, such as maybe the soil type and the, and the stocking rate on the farm. Um. So firstly, look, you must establish what your stocking rate will be um, and this will help you identify what targets really the farm needs to hit over, over the next few months. So for a look, for an example, those that are stocking rate maybe of three and a half cows per hectare will have to start building grass now. Um, those maybe at a stocking rate of three cows per hectare will have to start building in the, in the next week or so. And those then maybe lower stocked at two and a half cows per hectare will have to start building grass in the, in the middle of August. But it was, look, the next step really that farmers need to, should take over the next few weeks in terms of building grass is that they should really start looking at extending your, your grazing rotation. So, look, a general rule of thumb is that we want to build our peak farm cover by, say, late, late September, kind of early October period. Um, and to do that, look, we need to start lengthening our grazing rotation from now, so the start of August. Uh, we need to start lengthening it by around two to two and a half days per week or, or maybe eight to ten days per month. So I suppose a few farms, look, for example, if if, if farm is at, look, at the end of July, you're on a 22 to 23 day rotation. Um, by the end of August, then you should have built that up to a 30, maybe 31, 32 day, day rotation. So look, by the time then you get to the start of your final rotation, then in that case, in, in October, you'll be on somewhere around a, a, maybe a 45 a 40 to 45 day rotation that should bring it to the middle end of, of November then um, for your grass supply. Look, and I suppose moving on to maybe look at, looking at the grazing targets, maybe the next step you should do is, is, is look at the, the autumn grazing targets. Um, targets that can be found maybe, you might find them on the, on the Chagas website or maybe the Grass Pen newsletter. And look, you could also complete maybe an autumn grass budget um, to maybe further optimise your, your autumn grazing management. But really, look, in terms of the grazing targets, as I mentioned earlier, look, we have targets for rotation length that we went through, but also for, for your average farm cover. So again, look, this depends on your stocking rate on the farm. But if we look at our targets, maybe for peak farm cover, and that, that as I said, look, that late September, kind of earlier October period, we're looking at, um, if, if we're looking at, say, a stocking rate of maybe, if you're, if you're stocked at a cow to the acre or two and a half cows to the hectare, you're looking at um, having an average farm cover of around no more than a thousand kilos of dry matter per hectare, while farmers maybe stocked at three cows per hectare would have a target of maybe eleven fifty of an average farm cover. Um, so really, what I'm saying there, look, if 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 it's a lower stocked farm, you might need to 
you don't need to um, as high a, a peak farm cover as those that are highly stocked because because maybe they have less of a demand. Are there any reasons or any factors why a farm or farms in general mightn't be able to build grass on the lines we've been discussing there? So why are farms not able to build grass uh, sometimes? Yeah, so I suppose, John, uh, maybe some of the reasons some farms are not building a high enough cover come that kind of earlier October period I was talking about maybe might be due to maybe building covers too late in the year, so not starting now in, in August, maybe... Um, cutting second cuts or surfaces too late. Um, another one, maybe not getting the growth rates or, or else they're just not supplementing in time. So I, I think it's important really putting a planning place now to help to help gradually build your grass and, and meet your targets. Um, look, one of the ways maybe you can have control over how to build your grass and meet targets is, is to reduce your demand and, and to increase your supply if possible. So I suppose, for example, what I'm saying there is if you aren't hitting your targets, you could <clears throat> take action by introducing supplements or maybe reducing stocking rates or maybe that could mean removing younger stock or other stock or cold cows from the block, um, which which could reduce your demand. So, look, there's a, there's a lot of different steps there, I suppose, to take to achieve your, your autumn grazing targets. But, look, like I said, kind of... I suppose to summarise maybe what I've said is the main points is to is to extend your your rotation by two to two and a half days a week from from now on really, um maybe use the autumn grazing targets to plan plan for your own farm, um keep walking the farm weekly to monitor your progress, uh, how you're getting on, how grass is building, and finally I suppose depending on the the grass situation of the farm on the moment you might get one last opportunity over the next few days to correct or or clean up any of those poorly grazed paddocks to ensure look, quality grass in autumn and to ensure that you're building cover, building, building your high covers off, off a clean base for the rest of the year. That's grand. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Paul J. McCormack, B&T Business and Technology Dairy Advisor, Chagosk Advisory Office, Moore Park near from County Cork. Thank you very much indeed, Podrick, and uh, we trust our listeners and your clients will be happy with those points you've raised uh, and ensure they are able to build up grass and uh, under the present uh, unsure and uncertain circumstances be able to have an effective enterprise in the autumn and into next year and the future. Podrick, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Adam Woods, Beef and Circular Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Adam, welcome to the programme. Now, the biggest farmer gathering since the emissions reduction target was published is planned. Could you please tell our listeners when and where this big event will take place? Yes, John, this is the Irish Farmers Journal Dairy Beef National Open Day taking place on the 9th of August, Tuesday the 9th of August, just outside Cashel in Tipperary, it's on the, the Irish Farmers Journal Tribe Demonstration Farm. Um, on that farm, we rear 150 calves every year, bring them through to beef, um, and I suppose talk to farmers and, and tell farmers the challenges associated with that. Admission is free. The, the air code, a lot of people, I guess, uh, use the air code now on their phones to get to these venues, is E25AK44. Farm tours will kick off at half ten on Tuesday morning. Um, and they'll continue until half one. As I said, admission is free, car parking is free, and, and everybody is welcome to attend the event. And very important, something farmers will gravitate towards, I hope, with all the conflicting information and uh, the playing down of things. A very important live forum starts one thirty. I understand, 
on the topic of the future of dairy calf to beef in Ireland. You might confirm that, Adam, for us, please. Absolutely, John. I guess that there's always good discussion and debate at these events, and, and this is a chance for farmers to participate in that debate. There's huge debate out there, I guess, amongst dairy farmers and beef farmers as to what the future of dairy beef is, whether we like it or not, dairy cow numbers are expanding, suckler cow numbers are dropping, um, and we need to deal with that as regards we need to make, make sure that we have calves that can be profitable on a beef farm um, going forward. And I guess part of that forum is about discussing that and what needs to happen and all the pieces of the jigsaw that needs to come together to make sure that the beef farmers and dairy farmers work together in the future. So I'm sure there'll be some good debate and discussion in there. And also around GHG emissions, that's the topic of the moment um, at the minute. And we're going to go through on the day what it means for that farm or what a 25% reduction in emissions would mean uh, for that farm just outside Cashel. And how representative of livestock on most Irish farms would the animals be on this day? You know, the genetics. Are these animals well above the average dry stock farm genetics? You are showing what can be done when you have optimum genetics. But are these, of course, very, very high genetic animals in general? Uh, they're actually not, John, because any any dairy farmer out there can use the bulls that we have used um, on this farm. Now, we are aiming for the very top uh, in terms of, but they're all commercially available to dairy farmers to use on the dairy cows. Um, but back, genetics is the backbone of that farm. So, so we're aiming for a high DBI, a high dairy beef index, to try and make sure that we have a good carcass weight and good carcass confirmation uh, when we slaughter these animals around sort of 20 to 22 months. Um, so so it, it's really important, I guess, over the last maybe 10 years, dairy farmers have lost sight of the fact that, that, that I guess, beef, beef calves that they use or beef sires that they use in the dairy herd, they end up as beef. They've been concerned with short gestation bulls, very easy calving, um, and they haven't been concerned with carcass weight and carcass conformation. And they are very important attributes for a beef farmer in order to be profitable on, on a dairy beef farm. So we'll discuss all that. And it's a day, I guess... For dairy farmers and for beef farmers, it's not just for beef farmers here. There's a lot to learn for dairy farmers as well as regards what bulls are using on their farm. You might please remind our listeners about the event we're talking about, when and where it's taking place, what it's actually called, and whether people have to actually register or phone in advance or in some way give an idea of numbers. It's on the Tribe uh, Irish Farmers Journal Dairy Cap Beef Demonstration Farm. It takes place on Tuesday the 9th of August. Farm tours kick off at 10.30. You'll find more details and you can actually register on farm, uh, farmersjournal.ie. There's a section on the website for that. But if you don't get around to that, you can still come along in the morning and we'll still welcome everybody there. Um, but by all means, uh, come along and, and, and you can take part in the farm tour and then come into, come into the yard where we have all the trade stands as well. And, and just It's going to be an enjoyable day, a very interesting day, a lot of information on display. We, we would have looked to open up this farm I suppose two or three years ago, but because of COVID, we weren't able to hold open days um, on, on the farm in 2020 and 2021. So this is our first national open day and we're expecting a huge interest in it. And for direction finding, listeners can insert on their mobile phone, their iPhone, E25AK44. They should insert that and it'll help them greatly in uh, pinpointing the actual location of this farm in Cashel. Yes, we, but we'll have signposts along all the main routes. Once you come close to Cashel, we'll have signposts. It's, it's very, very close to, to Rockwell College, actually, the farm. Um, so that's a good landmark for, to head people to, but there'll be signposts all along the way. We have been reassured by the Minister that nobody will be forced to cull their herds. But in the journal, there are 10 steps which the journal believes, looking at the situation, analysing the situation, the journal believes there are 10 steps the Minister is taking to drive down livestock numbers. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I don't know if you have um, any of that info to hand. It includes nitrogen derogation changes, artificial nitrogen limits being down, suckler cow numbers down. It's a little frustrating, I guess, um, John, to, to, to hear the minister talk about that nobody will be, will be forced to reduce stock numbers because all the different policy angles that are coming out are, are, are leading to less stock. Uh, if we take those nitrous derogation changes, we're talking about a lower rate down from that 250, possibly down to 210, 220 um, in the very near future. So that's going to force dairy farmers either to take on more gra- grassland or reduce animal numbers um, on their farm. And also the, the fertilizer limits in terms of the reduced nitrogen limits, we're going to see, again, less fodder being made on those farms. That's less animals as well. Um, and I guess suckler cow numbers, we're seeing money being poured away out of that sector over the last number of years. We've already seen less numbers there. The suckler cow numbers are down 5% since 2018. And all those other little pieces like forestry and rewetting, you know, cow reduction scheme, cap changes, organics, that's all pointing to less animals. And look at... Call a spade a spade. Personally, I don't think we can hit 25% emissions reductions without less animals. We, the technologies that we have available to us at the moment will get us to, as far as 16 or 18%. We, we, can't, we can't shirk away, and the minister must come out with this plan for, for farmers because that's needed immediately. You know, farmer, farming is a, is, a, is, a, is a big wheel, and it takes a long time for that wheel to go around in terms of production cycle. If we take the calves that are purchased next year for, for dairy calf to beef, that's two years down the road, or possibly even two and a half before they are slaughtered. So we really need to be conscious of that and we need to inform farmers before they embark on another cycle um, on their business. Farm measures voluntary but still no plan. 
that's and that's really frustrating for we, we know now for eighteen months that we, we had a fifty one percent reduction in in, in with the national emissions so what what have the Department of Agriculture been doing over the last eighteen months as regards looking at different areas we're going to need support uh, we're going to need support into beef farmers in terms of supporting them to make specific decisions on their farm uh, in relation to reducing emissions but we need to see that plan. People look to the future, solar, the anaerobic digesters, but we're told again these will not contribute to the totting up of a 25% emissions for the farming sector. So solar PV won't be contributing to the legally binding 25% emissions reduction ceiling. And this is another really frustrating aspect as regards the, 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 the anaerobic digestion uh, that they're generating with uh, electricity or energy from, from, from methane on, on farms uh, that won't go to, to, to mitigating our, 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 our reduction emissions required on, on, on farms, but rather it will go to the energy sector. And farmers are really up in arms about this in terms of calculating this in, in this way. Again, very frustrating to see, I guess, if, if a farmer is, is spreading fertilizer to feed a digester, that that won't be counting against um, their own, their own um, we'll say, emissions reduction targets. So, again, I think a lot of discussion there, a lot of explanation needed uh, for farmers on the ground. Farmers are very confused out there at the moment. 6,000 cattle herds exit production in 10 years, and that's the last 10 years. They say there's been a 6% reduction in the number of herds with fewer than 25 animals, a natural kind of readjustment in some ways, a sort of a wastage, a natural wastage, while we make sure the remaining herds are highly profitable, learn how to max, absolutely maximise on those people who are still in livestock. That's it, and I think we could see more of that in the next 10 years, John, as regards where supports are going and supports being taken out of the sector sector. We've got the whole convergence issue, and in terms of people with, with good entitlements or high-value entitlements, they will see those chiselled away at uh, over the next three or four years. We've seen the impact of that on Tullamore Farm last week at our National Beef and Sheep Open Day as regards the impact that's going to have on, on that farm, and the supports coming into that farm is, is minus 12 or 13,000 over the next three or four years. Uh, so other farms around the country are in a very tip, very same situation. And I guess if you've got a farmer um, that's, a, that's, I suppose, coming to the end of their career, they're choosing to just opt out um, and possibly rent out their farm um, to a dairy farmer that, that is, that where, where land rental prices are, are making very good money. And very finally, speaking to Mr Adam Woods, Beef and Suckler Editor, Irish Farmers Journal, Adam, would you please remind our listeners about this very important open day we've been talking about, the title of this, the date is taking place and where? Yes, it's, it's next Tuesday. Everybody welcome. Uh, look, at it's a must-attend event for dairy and beef farmers um, all across the country. Um, it's the farmers will get it just outside Cashel. The air code is E25AK44. Um, farm tours will start at half ten. Um, we'll have a forum in the yard around half one, two o'clock. Full catering facilities provided. Admission is free. Car parking is free. Everybody is welcome. And by all means, if you're there, come up for a chat. We'd love to welcome you there. Thank you very much indeed for your valuable time, Mr. Adam Woods, Beef and Suckler Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you, Adam, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. You're very welcome. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Mr. Dermot Kelleher, West Cork-based Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association National President. First of all, Dermot, welcome to the programme. Thank you so much, John. You're very welcome, Dermot. Now, there's been you know, an amazing amount of um, confusion and alarm and anxiety in the farming community with the announcement of this uh, 25% emissions uh, target published recently. 
And you have uh, some very important points to make where you see the situation as we speak, Dermot. As we speak, John, there's 125 billion for to get Ireland to their national targets of 51% by 2030. 51 billion is an awful big amount of money, but the problem I can see with it is being targeted transport and energy. So the question needs to be asked, and the question I will be asking, um, where is the money to help agriculture? They want 25%. There's no point in me shouting now, like you shouting at the moon. It's the there, it's fait accompli. That's grand. To get us to 25%, we need money, we need help, we need more te- technologies. The only thing is, John, it's for 2030. That's seven years' time. There's a, there'll be a lot of, there's a lot of slip between the cup and the lip. There'll be to the long way from here to 2030. Um, no, I'd rather that they stay at 21 or less, but that's the way we are, where, where we are. We have seven years to go. There's an awful lot of money. No, there's, of, the, of that 125 billion, a lot of it is being reallocated from other sources, but there is over 45 billion of new money to come into helping Ireland reach its targets. Well, they're jumping up and down that farming was the biggest part of our problem. So if that, if that is the case, we need the biggest part of that m- money to, to help us. I mean, you can't say you're, you're a problem, but we put the money elsewhere. And you see, John, a lot of the carry-on, I mean, look, they can classify me as a, a climate denier or anything, whatever they like. We have to do our bit. There's no, farmers are doing their bit, and farmers have been doing their bit for a long, long time. And there's been massive improvements in agriculture. I mean, the science will tell you, John, if you're harvest stable, you are not causing a, a problem because methane only stays in the atmosphere for less than nine years. No. What they won't admit, and they want to tell you, is that the Irish herd has, is, in 1975, was 7.4 million. It'll be down, it'll be below that in 22, it was a couple of percent above it in 21. We actually have a stable herd for the last 50 years. And better than that, the European herd is down by nearly two, two thirds since 1961. So livestock is not the, 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 the problem. And they're not comparing light with light again. With transport, they say transport is 14%. No, transport, they say transport is only 5%. Because they call it tailpipe emissions. They don't count what it costs to make the car, what it costs in wearing tires and wearing brakes and repairs and all that. They only count it as tailpipe emissions. So if, if you do the same with cattle, and just count direct emissions, which is what comes out of their, their belly, what comes out of their the back end. If you compare that, direct emissions from livestock is 5%. Direct emissions from transport is 14%. That's tailpipe emissions, direct emissions, no. No, they can twist it and turn it, put all kinds of twists and turns on, on it, but that, they are the facts to John. Now, Dermot, very important there. It's good to hear you say, as a farmer, I might say even a radical farmer in many ways, politically speaking, nonetheless, you're saying the measures are there, there's money coming, let's use this in the best possible way, make sure agriculture gets its cut. The farm measures, we're told, are voluntary, but there's still no plan. We're told that solar panels on your land, we're told that solar PV panels won't contribute to bringing down 
measures are voluntary, still no plan, farm renewables will not contribute to the 25% emission cut, that's referring to solar, but don't you see an area there where it could be argued by spokespeople, lobbyists like yourself and the farm organisations, it could be lobbied that the solar PV should be allowed to contribute to the 25% emissions rather than having that put into the energy section. So that's an area where there could be debate. And, of course, overall, as you've referred to the general European situation, overall we're told that um, these emissions, they're part of a global, that's a global, indivisible climate process. Well, if that's the case, then how can our union, how can the European Union justify the food miles the importation of beef, chicken, lamb and dairy from thousands of miles away based on, in many cases, or perhaps even all cases, the deliberate burning of rainforests, filling those rainforests in South America with cattle and allowing exports from the Mercosur countries, Brazil and other countries there, of 90,000 tonnes of beef. That's 90,000 tonnes of beef quota for those Mercosur countries produced on land which resulted from forests being burned down and the soil there is only very, very thin and can be blown away in the first uh, storm. I think something like three trees per second is being knocked in in Brazil for livestock farming. 
Brazil aims to go to 205 million cows in the next couple of years. And you have the greens in this country jumping up and down. We have a quarter of a million sucking cows, and that number is falling. It's falling on an international basis. Because people are getting old, and it's a dangerous racket for an old person to be carrying these cows. And the fact that there's hardly no money in the, in, in the, the business. So, there's, like, it's very hard to see the people jumping up and down about Irish national herd. When you see that there's an expansion in, in, in Brazil, their expansion alone is 25 times more than our total herd. And I mean, do, do these people realize we're all living in the one world? But you see, Ireland is the top, we're probably the number one in the world for efficiency and sustainability in producing food, John. And if we don't produce it, some less efficient country will, 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 will produce it. The world population has got to eat billion people and they have to be fed. No, you'll have all these well-heeled, well-off people saying you shouldn't eat meat and you shouldn't eat eggs and you should be eating all this other plant-based stuff and all this. It's all an, an agenda. But like, the truth is, the normal people in this world have to eat. And the best way to feed people is milk, eggs, beef, so on and so forth. So, like, if we don't produce it, somebody else would, would produce it. The European Union has an importation quota of 90,000 tonnes of beef from Brazil and from the Mercosur countries of South America. And here we have the motor industry, or the, the countries with large engineering output. They will be seeking a market in South America, and they are they're offering this... Um, Imports yeah, yeah, but of... you know I mean, and that is politics, that they want to sell Mercedes, and they want to sell financial services in South America, and they'll sacrifice rural Ireland, and they'll sacrifice agriculture. I mean, look, it's not a nice thing, 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 thing to say, but that is actually the facts. Like, we, we, we're worried here about all about our emissions, which is probably right. I mean, why should the old rural Ireland be sacrificed? Germany just decided the gas is getting scarce according to the UK and war. They'll have to open up all their coal, their coal industry again. And I mean in COP23 and COP24, when they, when they brought up the coal in, in, in industry, Angela Merkel banged the table and she said it's our national interest, not up for, for the discussion. Have we any politician in this country had the backbone to stand up and say beef? Food production is Ireland's only indigenous industry. It's all national in, in, in interest. It's not up for it's not up for discussion. But no, no, we want to be the best boys in the class. And like we can, I don't mind. Climate change has to be looked after. We have to do our our fair share, but it has to be a balance, John. Changes must be made. We want to play our part. We recognise there's a huge problem with millions and millions of people possibly starving and Africa and those places where the cattle are dying, where the climate change means the grass won't grow anymore. But Chagas, looking at positive things, the Chagas 12 steps to reduce gaseous emissions on beef farms uh, using protected urea, uh, applying lime, building and maintaining soil. So the 12 steps set out by Chagas, 12 steps to reduce emissions, that is something which could be taken into the argument. And as you say, Dermot, these are actually early days because there's no plan announced. We're told it's voluntary, 
you, you've mentioned the, the sum of money coming from the European Union to ease the transition. And then in the journal, the Farmers' Journal there, August 6th, we, we see or read 6,000 cattle herds exit production in 10 years. So in, in a 10-year period, 6,000 smaller cattle herds have actually exited production. So, in fact, it won't be necessary for anyone compulsorily to cut their stocks uh, as family farmers because due to the terrible circumstances, lack of profit, hardship and the effort, some people are just calling it a day. That is right, John. But, like, I, I believe, and I'm as president of ICC, and I'm committed and I'm very strong in this idea that whatever they do, they cannot sacrifice rural, rural Ireland. They cannot sacrifice our food production, which we're feeding a big piece of Europe, just for the sake of somebody's ego to say I'm a world leader in global climate change. If Ireland wants to be a global leader, yes, we should be a global leader. We should be a global leader in the, sustain, in the production of sustainable, sustainable and efficient food, food production. We're the most efficient, one of the most efficient food-producing countries in the world. And how does it make sense to, to cut down our food production and let it be produced in Brazil and places that are not as efficient? Livestock farming is taking three trees a second out of the rainforest. But that doesn't seem to matter to all, all politicians. If they can kick the life out of rural Ireland, they'll all be, 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 be happy. That doesn't make a whole pile of sense. We have to have a balance. It has to be sustainable. Rural Ireland cannot be sacrificed on the author of expediency by any politician. What would you say would be the next few steps to try and get across what really is the core of your recent press release and the core of, of what you've been saying, that you want recognition of the positive things being done and which have already been done by Irish farmers? We have a lot of farmers in the month that are using the trailing shoe, that are using protected urea, they're using um, a, a, a different additions to slurry, chemical additions to cattle feed to cut down emissions. We have all these technologies, and farmers are brilliant to take on new, new, new technology. But then we need to get help from the other side. If, if Ireland's food, food production is a problem, that's fine. They need to ban the, production, the, the importation of other food from less efficient countries. Stop the importation of beef and lamb coming into the EU. We're producing fantastic, efficient lamb and beef and so on here. That's grand. If they want, us, they want to get after us, no problem. But stop the importation of food from other countries. I mean, they have to be honest. We have to be honest with ourselves, and they have to be honest with, with themselves. We're very efficient food producers. So cutting down food production it doesn't make a whole pile of sense. If you stop the efficient people producing food, somebody else will, will produce it less efficiently. That is doing no good for global emissions. It's doing harm. What about landfill? What about the landfill sites in this country? Landfill is something shocking for carbon. But we won't say anything about that. The same as we were jumping up and down for years about farmers polluting the, 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 the rivers. But no one ever said about, about all the hundreds and hundreds of villages and towns that were pumping raw storage into the sea and into the water. I mean, be honest, we'd have to be honest and start being honest and be up, being up, up front. If Ireland can do fantastic food, Ireland agriculture will do its best and we will, we will do our best. And agriculture, if anybody will get there, we will get there. But all this money that's being made, that's being brought in, 
to get Ireland to 2050 to get their national emissions up to 51. If they want to get us up to 51, they need to give us some of the money and show us the technology and show us the, 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 the money. It's very simple. Well, thank you very much indeed for all of those very interesting and useful comments. Mr. Dermot Kelleher, the West Cork-based Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association National President. Thank you very much indeed, Dermot. Thanks a million. Thanks so much, John. And that's Farm Talk for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to Barry O'Mahony and Murray Tuig for contributing to the programme again this week. Particularly to Miss Murray Tuig, news reporter, 96.3 FM, for creating and producing the Farm Talk podcast for the web. A special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.